Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, Chris Gathard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. I want to apologize right away for the audio quality on this intro. I am uh, currently on the road, losing my voice, doing this on my phone instead of my usual setup at home. And uh, speaking of audio quality, I had my mic messed up for the first 10 minutes of today's interview. That is my bad. You'll hear the change when I realize what's going on. Hey, everybody. I want to give you your final warning. December 11th, New Jersey is the world live at House of Independence in Asbury Park. Go to houseofindependence.com right now. Get your tickets. We got all sorts of great stuff happening. We're going to have the show. The Jersey Devil has kidnapped Santa Claus. He's going to try to murder him live on stage. We got to all come together and stop him helping us out with this show. So many great comedians. Greg Stone and Anthony DeVito are coming down to Asbury Park. Two of the funniest guys I know. Legitimately two of the funniest guys at the Comedy Cellar. On top of that, we got the Belleville Broads. We got Nick Fierro, Devin Hall, me, Bonaduce, Mike D, Andrea Carson. We'll all be there. You can get yourself some boost, be playing some videos, some songs, doing bits, having fun, celebrating the holidays, Jersey style. Need you to come on out, houseofindependence.com for tickets. We'll see you there. I uh, am so excited for you to hear today's interview. This is part of our small business spotlight series. This is the first time we've done a place that isn't a food and drink based place. This is Flux Modern, who I came to follow on Instagram. They find and refurbish and resell furniture. And right away I got the sense of, oh, these guys share a similar ethos to a lot of the other people that we talk to here in Jersey. And you know, it's like, it, we, we all find out. It's all these old punk rockers. And they start applying those punk rock skills to other stuff. And you could eat every meal in this state cooked by an ex-punk rocker. And it turns out you could furnish your whole home via the efforts of an ex-punk rocker. Flux Modern's doing very cool stuff. You're going to hear all about how. How does a quest to go out and find Mr. T lunchboxes turn into a thriving furniture resale business at one of the hubs of the Jersey Shore? Going to find all that out more. And guess what? Flux Modern, they're down. They're ready to step up, man. They're going to give everybody a 10% discount. You go down to their warehouse, you go down to their shop or online. You mentioned New Jersey is the world. 10% off. I mean, if you're looking to refurbish your home, 10% off, that could save you hundreds of dollars. That is so huge. Thank you to Drew and Danielle at Flux Modern. All you got to do is show up, talk to Drew, mention New Jersey is the world. They'll hook it up. And Flux Modern is having a warehouse sale. December 17th and 18th from 11 to 3 p.m. 810 Monroe Avenue, Asbury Park, New Jersey, 07712. Go down to their warehouse. They they uh, they sell a lot of great stuff cheap. So December 17th and 18th, if you're looking, you get down there. Find more details on Instagram by following Flux Modern. And again, mention New Jersey is the world. 10% off. Kudos to Flux Modern for what they're doing. It's very, very cool stuff. feel lucky. I got to pick Drew's brain about how it came to be, what the goals are, dealing with all the, the people in this underground world of, of, of people who are obsessed with furniture. It's a cool conversation. It's a great business. Go support them. Get your 10% off. Remember, December 17th and 18th, you're going to get down to Asbury Park for the Flux Modern Warehouse sale. December 11th, you're going to get down to Asbury Park for New Jersey is the World Live. See you, everybody. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. And I'm very psyched to be talking with our guest today. As you know, one of the things we do here at New Jersey is the world is we've done a series um, 
we've been calling them the small business spotlights where we, we find people who are starting up businesses. We shine a spotlight on them. And thus far it's been all food and beverage. It's been, it's been all in that world. And I'll tell you, in another instance of, I'm not even sure how I came to follow this person online, this business online. Today we're talking with Drew, who's uh, part of Flux Modern, which is an Asbury Park based. What would you say, Drew? Furniture, you you, you know, vintage furniture yeah. sales. Yeah, we're vintage furniture. It's. <clears throat> The Excuse coolest. Me. Now, I'm not. I'm. I'm not one to have much of an eye for design, um, but I came to follow you guys on Instagram somehow. I, I've. I know we have some mutual friends. It turns out, uh, but I will say, just looking at your stuff, I'm like, oh, this is. This is done by people with a good eye for this stuff. And as someone who bought a house in 2020 and had to furnish it, I wish that I had been. Uh, aware of you then because it would have made my life so much easier because I have, I have no eye for this. How does, how does one come <laughs> to uh, start up a small business of this sort? Well, my wife and I started it probably about 10 years ago. Um, and it was really just like a side hustle. Um, we've always, both of us have always been interested in, garage sales and yard sales and flea markets. And we just love that kind of going out, digging for things, never knowing what you're going to find. And really it wasn't like we were looking for furniture. We just were gravitated towards whatever we liked. And so like me being a kid from the eighties and growing up in the nineties, like I always loved eighties toys so anytime I'd see like, uh, oh, here's a Mr. T lunchbox uh, at a flea market for three bucks, I would buy it and put it up on a shelf. And eventually the shelf space ran out and I had to figure out how to buy more uh, and make room for the stuff I really liked. So I would just try and sell it. So eventually I turn that into a little business selling uh, like eighties toys and t-shirts and vintage clothes uh, just so I can make enough money to buy more stuff. Uh, and it's kind of like a, a sickness in a way. <laughs> um, and my wife is afflicted with the same sickness. So that's how we kind of bonded. Um, but we would uh, basically, bringing it into New Jersey, how, how it helped us in, in our quest was like, you know, New Jersey is so densely populated. Um, there's just so many people and so many houses and people moving in and out all the time. So people are always getting rid of stuff. Uh, and we would just, there's like, I don't even know if this exists in other places in the country, um, there's what uh, there's things called townwide garage sales, um, where basically everybody in like a neighborhood has a garage sale on the same day, and you can just ride your bike around or drive your car around all day and just be going to yard sales. So that's what we would do. Like me and my friends, we and and my wife before she was my wife, we would 
hop in a car in the morning and we would like, okay, at the first stop we had that has a, a bin of cassette tapes, we would buy like the first five that we see. And that was the soundtrack for the day. So that's what introduced me to bands. We got actually really lucky uh, bands like Kraftwerk uh, <laughs> and somehow a Buzzcocks cassette tape in the first garage sale that we stopped at. And we listened to them on repeat for an entire day. So I know all those songs like the back of my hand, but you know, we, it, it was fun. And that, that kind of thing, I don't know if it exists anywhere else, but that was, that, that's a great time. I love that. That's the roots. Of it. I, I know about those garage sales in particular because, and I feel like this ties into what you're saying. I've, I've talked about it on the show a lot. I've started volunteering as an ambulance driver in my town for the volunteer MT squad, mostly because I'm like old and bored. Right. Um, but I know that it's not my town, but the Far Hills EMT squad, Far Hills has a huge townwide garage sale that I think benefits their EMT squad. So I've heard of one of those. And you think about a town like Far Hills, which is one of those towns that like you grew up in Jersey and you don't even really know it exists because it's one of those like hidden Somerset County wealthy, like Jackie Onassis used to hang out there. But you think about it, you go a townwide garage sale in Far Hills the stuff that people in Far Hills are getting rid of just to clear up space is yeah. probably stuff that you, if you get there early enough and you know what you're looking for, I would have to imagine for someone like you hearing that, I go, oh yeah, that's probably like a big chunk of inventory that you can walk away with because those people, you know, I have my opinions on the wealth disparity of New Jersey, certainly. And there's a lot of towns like that where I would imagine there's people going, I don't want to be bothered to go put this stuff up on eBay myself or get it appraised. I don't need the money. But somebody else could base a business off of their garage sale. I could see that easily. Yeah. And that's how it was a lot in the beginning. Um, the way we do business has changed a lot in the last 10 years. Um, actually, eBay and Facebook and sites like first dibs um and cherish really have um changed the way we've had to buy because any piece of furniture that we would be interested in um you know if if people have a piece that they're going to get rid of and there's a name on it they just google it and they'll see the first thing that comes up is like it for sale on a site called first dibs which is like really just for designers to be selling to other designers and the price will be like, you know, $10,000 for this one chair that maybe I would sell for a thousand dollars. So they think that I'm going to pay them $10,000 for it. Um, so we've just had to figure out different ways to buy things. Um, which is, it's, which is fine. We, we are adapters. We, uh, we, we figure out ways to get things done. Uh, there's a few things I want to say in relation to this. The first is for all our listeners out there, I I'm telling you, first of all, just follow flux modern on Instagram. Even if you're not in um, the market for new furniture, you guys just, I mean, you clearly have an eye for design. You put stuff up and it's one of those accounts that when stuff pops up, I almost find it um, pleasing in like an ASMR way where I'm like, ah, oh, 
look at this set of chairs. Those chairs are rad. And it's and it's it breaks up the uh the all the political ranting and raving on my Instagram. So first of all, just follow me for that. Second of all, I want to say you just mentioned that, you know, you might sell a chair for a thousand dollars. We're you know, when you're thinking about this type of furniture, it is a high-end world. But I also want to point out right away for all our listeners who know that we have a real dedication, you know, to sort of the DIY lifestyle. So much of what we talk about, and I think what you and I will talk about, is we have found that any small business in New Jersey, if they're doing something cool, it turns out there's a punk rocker working behind the scenes at that business. I want to talk to you about that because I think it's clear based on our mutual friends that you fit that mold. I also want to say this though, on the punk rock side of things, when I go through your Instagram, you'll sometimes, you've been doing lately like these flash sales in your Instagram stories. And for anybody listening who's going, why are we talking about just high-end furniture? I just want to say, no, no, no. Flux Modern is doing stuff in a very cool way where if you are someone who wants a $9,000 couch, you guys will be able to point that buyer towards a $9,000 couch or a $2,000 headboard or whatever. But you're doing these flash sales too, where I'm going, Oh, I could walk away with this for a hundred bucks or this for 70 bucks. And it's clear that you guys aren't out here trying to just exploit anyone who might find you. There's a pretty wide range of stuff that you guys have an eye on. And it's clear that you're doing stuff in a way that's not abusive or exploitative to the people who might come to follow you or work with you. And I have not worked with you, but I can see that just right on the surface of the way you do things, particularly just on your Instagram alone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's definitely one thing that we've been conscious of and definitely coming from that punk rock world where, um, you know, I was sleeping on an air mattress on the ground with, uh, concrete blocks for a TV stand at, at some point in a, in a house that had 15 people living in it with no heat in the uh, winter in Philadelphia. <clears throat> um, I'm definitely conscious of that. And I want people, you know, we have people who are moving into their first apartment out of college and they don't want to buy everything at Ikea and you know, cause when they move the next time in two years, the stuff's all going to fall apart and they're just going to throw it on the curb. At least this stuff you like, we have things that are around the same price as Ikea for a dresser or even less money. And when you move, you can either take it with you and it's not going to fall apart or you can uh, sell it to somebody else for almost what you paid for it. And um, you know, that's pretty important to us to kind of, and we're also selling to like movies and, and TV shows and high end people or you know, higher, higher priced items going up to New York city all the time. But we definitely want to, um, keep it a wide range of people and, and wide range of designs, furniture pieces. Hold on, just one second here. I just noticed that my mic does not seem to be the correct mic. I'm gonna get better. Apologies to our editors. I should sound better. Do I sound better to you immediately? Oh, there, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Apologies to everybody for the initial uh, ten minutes of audio that were not as good as usual, and now we are on track. That I noticed that the red light. That's how obvious they make. 
for me. There's a red light on the mic to let me know when it's on. I still sometimes mess it up. So I'm, I love, I love hearing that, that you guys will work with like set designers up in New York who are using your stuff in TV shows. You also can help somebody setting up their first apartment. And there is that, that dedication there to being able to help everybody. Here's my question. Here's the big question. So you're a punk rocker sleeping on an air mattress you're dating a girl. You guys are finding it fun to go to garage sales to buy Mr. T lunchboxes and you're figure, finding Kraftwerk cassette tapes. I love this origin story. Here's the thing about your world, though, is I'm 42 years old now. I've lived in enough places. Like I said, like when I bought my first place in Queens, it was a one-bedroom apartment. And you sit here, you go, I own this place now. I want it to look nice. I don't want it to just be like whatever me or my random roommates have. And then I bought a house in Jersey. I go, now it's even bigger. We got to figure this out. How does one buy this? There's this world where I could look at a table and go, I think that's a nice table. And then you look at it and you go, oh, this is like a piece of junk from a Kmart eight years ago or something. And I could look at that, I could look at a dresser and go, oh, that, this, uh, that seems fine to me. And somebody would be like, oh no, that's some Swedish designer who's only made 11 of these for his life. There's a whole world there. So how does somebody go from, this is a pretty fun, cheap weekend date where me and the girl I'm dating can pick up cassettes and maybe I can find some vintage toys to being able to run a business where you have an intimate knowledge of the stuff that's worth your time or not worth your time. That's a yeah. huge leap, right? It, it definitely is. Uh, I didn't go into it knowing anything about it. So it's just um, kind of maybe a little bit of a ADHD, OCD kind of thing. But um, when, okay, so in around 2009, uh, this was before I was, married to danielle but we were we were dating at the time um i bought a house in tom's river and it was like the cheapest i mean it was the uh, anybody who walked in it after i showed him what i bought was like why did you buy this and it was basically because it i could afford it it was the only thing i could afford um and it was they had like six cats in there that they were not taking care of. Uh, and it's very disgusting. Um, <laughs> but they left all of the furniture in the house. And when they moved out and it was like house was built in 1959, right in mid century, like, like the perfect time for what we sell now. Um, but you know, some of the stuff I liked some of the stuff, was just furniture. Um, some of it was pretty interesting and whatever I could use, I kept. And then the rest of it, I started researching what it was, who designed it. Um, all the little details, no, you know, noticing the difference between, you know, rosewood and walnut and different little design details. Um, and then I was like, Oh, this stuff is kind of worth money. Like it's, it's worth more than just taking to the dump or giving it to the, to the, uh, to the goodwill. And so I sold like a, a living room set and a bedroom set. And that paid for the renovation of my kitchen. 
So that is, it was only out of necessity that we started doing that. And then just having a little bit of that knowledge, um, I started seeing more of that kind of design in things and objects that we were finding at yard sales and flea markets and estate sales. And then I would be, and then I would, you know, just try and research the new things that I saw. And it was kind of like this, this, um, like roots of knowledge growing out and, uh, just trying to learn as much as I could and all these different names of designers and stuff like that. And just like trying to remember it all. And, but mainly, I, I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I'm not actually that into the designer name behind things. I am only gravitated towards what I like and what I'm interested in. And that's, that's one thing that we've been pretty, uh, you know, all about over the years is like, if I wouldn't put that in my house, I'm probably not going to want to buy it for the shop and have people, you know, try and sell it to people. Cause if I'm not really into it, I don't think other people would be into it either. So, uh, I love everything about the origin story of this, that it's a blend of garage sales and you buying a cat person's house and having to sort out their mess. And now you've had a business that's up and running for 10 years that seems to be thriving. I know you just posted that you bought a a building that is going to be like, is a thing that you own that I imagine will become a warehouse and maybe storefront someday down in ocean Grove. Like this is, this is amazing that it was just, Every step of the way, it's born out of necessity to figure out this stuff. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That that goes back to the punk rock days, um, just figuring out how to do things. And like, you know, when you're 18 years old and you have a band and you just, well, what do you do? You want to put out a record. You just figure out how to do that. I designed our own, the, the record covers. I taught myself how to do Photoshop. I taught myself how to do like Final Cut Pro for cutting little videos. And we put out records. We what figure was your, out. What was to, your band? Uh, I was in a band called Forward to Death, which is our mutual friend, Brian. He was the drummer of. Uh, this is Brian who is uh, every... He he books us at the House of Independence shows. He now books my uh, all my stand-up dates for me. And probably yeah. most notable to Jersey Punk fans lately as the lead singer of Nightbirds, who are about to wrap up their their uh, incredible run. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. And uh, I've known him since we were both teenagers and, you know, spending way too much time with each other in advance and... <laughs> getting into little fights over uh, foot space and uh, <laughs> stinking up a car. But yeah, so, like, you know, we just, he, he would be the one who was booking our shows. Like, you know, the, a bar in Las Vegas at 2 AM on a Thursday night. And uh, we would all be on his, you know, getting on him for uh, the two people that showed up and we basically had to pay to play there. Um, yeah, but that, that kind of thing. And, and like, you know, that kind of 
set me on this course of wanting to travel and see the country and see how other people live. And like a few years later, um, you know, five years into being flux modern, my wife and I bought a new van and we're like, you know, we just want to travel the country. So we filled up the van with things that we sold to people across the country and we planned a route around that and like here's a sofa i'm gonna sell to somebody in uh baker california <laughs> and pack that in the van i mean the van was like packed all the way up like tetris to the ceiling and then buy stuff along the way as soon as we make a delivery and make enough space in the van to buy more stuff post it on Instagram and sell it before we get home. So it kind of, it was this like, it paid for itself kind of trip. And we got to, it, we were out on the road for like three weeks doing this. And, um, you know, it was, I mean, it was amazing the different places that you see. I love it. I love that so much of it is just that you linked up with Danielle and you guys have built a business seems to be thriving largely as an excuse to just hang out and take road trips together. Start that, to finish. That is definitely it. it. Although, um, working with your significant other, um, <laughs> definitely <laughs> has its challenges and, you know, buying this building, which was a huge leap for us. I mean, a huge leap, but we were working towards it for a, a long time. And Danielle, as as much as we got on each other during the process um she put in a ton of work to to get us to that point she like she took small business classes and that linked us up with an a, like a business advisor who for free basically led us through the process of getting an SBA loan um which was i mean it was <laughs> that was one of the toughest things we had to do because we're not business people. You know, I, I come from like film. I work in film post-production and Danielle was a, uh, a fashion designer. She worked for uh, Victoria's secret. We're not business people. We are like come from family of artists. Uh, so we had to do like fill out 50 pages of paperwork and like, you know, sign the same thing 20 times and like, Oh, here's whatever. So, she got us over that hump. Like I couldn't have done it without her. So big, big props to my wife, Danielle, love you. Uh, and now that we're there, you know, we still, we have so much work to do in this new building. So it's, it's tough. It's like running a separate business at the same time as running a full-time business to try and get this building, like you know, ready for us to move in. But you know, it's like a, we, we're like, banking on ourselves to get it done and then we'll have our own building and be able to keep doing this business for as long as we want. Speaking of the business side of stuff, here's the thing I'm fascinated by. So you come from punk rock background as do I. And I think, um, you've been in bands, I've been out on the road and you know, you kind of sell yourself as the product. And I feel like punks do have this, I think admirable ethics, but that can also be an Achilles heel, especially as you grow up where you go, man, like how would Ian McKay do it? Right. $5 all ages. Yeah. 
And then I run into situations out on the road where the venue goes, we want to charge 25 or $30. And I go, I think that's too much. And then I've had people say to me, you know, you had, Chris, you've been on TV. Like you had an HBO special. You can charge $20 for a show when you have a child and a mortgage and no one will find you exploitative. And I go, okay, this is good to hear. My question is this, when you're like, you've kind of stumbled into this business, as you said before, you're like, you're not really obsessed with the names of the designers. You guys more are following your instincts of, is that something we'd want in our home? If so, it has a place in our store. Now, I'm getting the sense that you guys really like to do things the right way. So I do wonder, and this is not out of judgment, because this is the furniture world. I mean, you buy a couch from a place that you hear advertising on a podcast, it's thousands of dollars, right? But when you pick up a piece, and this is not your background, this is something that has built so organically, and you're going, I like that. How do you pick the price points? Like, How do you look at... um, a bed frame and go, that's a $4,000 bed frame versus a $1,000 bed frame. Like, how do you know? Because I also know that punks want to do things ethically, but this is a world where you have to pick some price points that intimidate me just number wise. So I wonder how you reconcile that. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, We definitely like, so like it, a lot of it, if it's not a huge name designer brand or anything, a lot of it just depends on how much we paid for it. And a lot of the times that's not up to us how much we paid for it. Somebody else set the price or somebody was selling it and said, and offered it to me for a hundred dollars. So in order for us to keep business going, we have to at least double the money um, on a, on a piece. So, uh, as as long as uh, you know, we try and just double the money. So if it's not some huge designer thing, I'm gonna try and sell for two hundred bucks, and you know, move it along to the next person and buy something else, and you know, go through as much stuff like that. It, you know, we don't have to make a ton of money on every piece; just make enough money to keep buying more things to sell to make money so you know there are the a few pieces that we you know we have to put pretty high prices on because we paid a lot because they were big designer names uh but we try and keep them you know if we can buy something for 100 and sell it quick for 200 we're fine with that so yeah you know doing these like we, we do have a showroom on Cookman Ave in Asbury park and we put our nicer pieces in there and where people can go and like, look and, and see the pieces in person and, and just, just see the quality of things made in the fifties and sixties. Uh, and then we do like to do uh warehouse sales every, every once in a while when we have enough stuff where we'll like open it up and open up our warehouse and sell things for cheaper than we would in our showroom and basically give people the opportunity to buy things a lot cheaper, you know, before we put in the work of refinishing it or reupholstering it or something like that. It's really, uh, it's really basic, right? Whatever we paid for it, plus 
a little profit to keep this thing going and keep food on the table. Yeah. I, I like that. It's a good answer. And then also, I imagine on Cookman Ave too, when you're putting up showroom pieces, there must be times where you're going, okay, we've got this thing and it's really flashy. It's not going to sell immediately, but it's going to get a lot of people to just walk in and look around the store because it's fucking cool because it right. looks cool. Yeah. And that's worth an investment for you guys to buy that at some estate sale to just go, this is going to get people walking in off of Cookman after they eat their ice cream down the block. Like that's yeah. Yeah. strategic as well, I would imagine. Definitely. I, you know, early on, I was, we had to be really conscious of what we were buying. Um, and we could only buy, you know, pretty cheap things and then try and clean them up the best we could and make as much money on each piece as we could. Um, and there was a time, like I found some guy in uh, Edison that was selling, uh, he was selling like a few Eames chairs, um, th- uh, which uh, I don't know if, if you're not in the design world, Charles Eames was, is like one of the more famous designers. He has like a famous uh, lounge leather lounge chair that you've probably seen in every commercial. Um in the in the last 20 years Um, but he had these like little um dining chairs called dcms and there was this guy in edison that was selling like four or five of them and i for a decent price and i went up to buy them from him and it turned out he had like a hundred of them and he got them from a guy who was like the janitor at a school nearby and when they redid the this the school whatever like the library he just took home all of the chairs and this guy had them in his garage so he's like um i was like uh how much for all of those chairs um (laughs) he's like you want all of them uh he's like seven thousand bucks like doing, trying to do the math on a hundred chairs and like how long that's going to take me to sell. So I was like, yeah, screw it. I'm going to do it. And that was like the most money I had spent on anything ever in my life. Go to the bank. Like I spent like four hours taking apart these chairs so I could stack them in each other and fit them in my van. So I didn't have to make two trips to, to Edison and got it done and like you know it it turned out to be like i barely doubled my money but it was a lot of work um but it was just cool it was like at one time i had a hundred of these super desirable chairs and at, at some point we had so many of them i just stacked them all on each other randomly in the window of the of the shop and it just looked like a pile of like praying mantises like floor to ceiling in the in the window of the shop it's awesome does that i i lo- i mean it's it makes sense to me that you and brian are such kindred spirits cuz he loves nothing more than this not only getting ridiculous stuff but the stories behind getting ridiculous stuff yeah and I love that moment of you driving home and going, I hope I didn't just tank my business because I need, I felt the instinct to get a hundred fucking chairs all at yeah. once yeah. is such a funny and fun moment. But then when you have all those Eames chairs stacked up, I have to imagine there's people in this world who know what an Eames chair is, who walk by your window and go, do these guys 
have so many of these rare things that they can just fuck around and throw them in a big pile. Like that's a flex too, honestly, in a sense. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. That was, that's that was a so cool funny. one. That was a cool one. I want to um, ask a Jersey specific question here. Yeah. Cause your business, you said it's been around about 10 years. Asbury park based the whole time or just recently. Um, but yeah, well, when we first started, it was very small. We opened a small uh, booth in an antique mall in Red Bank. Uh-huh. Um, but we, I mean, from the beginning of that, we knew we wanted to be in Asbury Park. And it was just at the time when Asbury was starting to have that like rebirth. But I knew, I, I had always, I, I'd come here in the 90s. Uh, in uh, going to shows at this casino skate park and the saint. And uh, I, I, there was just something about it that the town that was, that drew, always drew me to it. I want to ask you about this specifically because selling furniture in Asbury park over the past 10 years, it must be pretty strange for you because I'm 42 years old I used to go see ECW wrestling down at the convention hall. I saw a bunch of shows at the Stone Pony growing up, the weird New Jersey Halloween party we did at the Pony. And you know, you'd go in Asbury Lanes eventually, and you'd go to Asbury. And like any of us who were going there 20 years ago will tell you, it's not a joke to say that you had to be smart. You had to be careful. It's not like you were going to be assaulted on the street, but you didn't want to linger around 20 years ago. It, it wasn't a, you know, you couldn't even really get food late night after shows in most parts of town. The yeah. town's changed so much. It must be a very specific vantage point selling furniture because, you know, the story of Asbury Park is, you know, the punk rockers start to really adopt it as their own, specifically with the lanes as much as anything else. And the artists are coming around a little bit before that. And at the same time, you, you, you know, you've got this very um, legendary story that the gay community is buying up a lot of the old beat up Victorian homes and really fixing them up. And, and then that's a big part of the resurgence. And then it starts to move. And I think a lot of people now look at Asbury park and there's starting to be some concern of now there's a lot of these condo buildings and is it past a tipping point where some of the, people who helped fuel the resurgence are now getting squeezed out, let alone the people who were living there before the resurgence started. Do you find that you're able to track these waves of people that come in via the types of furniture you're selling or the questions you're getting or the people you're meeting? Like, are you basically, I would have to admit, like the past two years, are you starting to meet more like Wall Street dickheads who are buying up those condos who want slightly different, have different tastes than the people eight, nine years ago had? You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about that, how all those, the new, like the Ocean Club and like all these kind of new big um, uh, condos. And I I actually, we haven't sold anything to any of them, those people wow. yet which I'm very surprised about. Um, a lot of the people we sell to are like some of the smaller um, apartment buildings that have been around forever in Asbury or houses. Yeah. Like from people from the gay community um, buying stuff and um, furnishing their homes. Yeah. But I, 
I don't know. Maybe we're just like not high end enough for the super high end or club. It's a very interesting thing to think about too, right? Like, or are those people, are the people who those buildings appeal to the same type of people who just want to go to Ikea once and, and get everything they need for their apartment in one walkthrough of an Ikea? Like you start to think is everything there. I have a feeling you might walk into a lot of those places and everything there is like something that's like modular and built with a little socket wrench that came taped (laughs) to the inside of the box. Like, you have to wonder if that might be part of it, but it, it, it's it's a unique vantage point that you have. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely seen the town uh, come up around us, and yeah, I don't know. It it, it has been strange, really, it's coming from you know coming coming here in the late nineties on the boardwalk where you're like, I mean, you'd be like the only person there on a Friday night, and. <laughs> There's staircases to nowhere and uh, like steel beams hanging from like a metal, like a little metal sheet, like swinging in the breeze. Uh, just like, yeah, it, it's a strange thing. But uh, I, I think the I think there's enough of the uh, the people still in the area and in, in the town that will will just always be here to keep it grounded in what it was uh, even if it's changed i mean it's definitely changed over the years some good some bad um but there, there's enough of that artist community the the punk rock community that'll always be around and keeping us keeping us a little bit gritty it is uh i have to say um talking to you and hearing like this all started started organically and you were a punk guy who maybe took it sounds like even some of the skill set you developed as young as a young man was hey i can sit in a van for eight hours straight so if i need to drive to west virginia to pick up a dresser I'm, i've spent a lot of time and at least i won't be smelling brian g's feet the whole way you know like <laughs> you get that sense one of the other people that we've interviewed is um Tom from Mutiny Barbecue similarly came from a punk rock background. And it does seem like, you know, he was telling me that a big part of Mutiny's story was that there's a food collective that some of the restaurants that have done well in Asbury Park have started a collective to try to help other people get their businesses up and running. And you go, that spirit of things could allow Asbury Park to maintain its status as this incredibly special place and this victory story. Um, And you hope that the exploding real estate all over New Jersey, let alone the Jersey Shore, let alone Asbury Park, doesn't push it past the tipping point where um, that all gets replaced, you know, by a big row of Starbucks, just like everybody else, every other city in the world. Yeah. Well, like, uh, I I think it's cool. A, A lot of the business businesses in town know each other and like, uh, kind of a lot of right right around when we started was like a lot of younger people starting their businesses around the same time and like it was like their first business and uh, we've seen people grow together and like Tallulah's you know they opened up right around the same time as us and I know them personally and that I traded I traded you know furniture for pizza and you know, uh, 
that pizza's we do our uh, live shows for New Jersey's the world at House of Independence and Tallulah's right next door and we yeah. eat Tallulah's every time and that is a diff pizza. Yeah, man. It's one of my favorite pizzas. The Beekeeper's Lament, man. Ugh. It's one of my favorite peepers, uh, pizzas I ever. Eat, so I've never had it, but I've heard the legendary tales. The, the uh, spicy sopracetta with uh, hot honey. Oh, the baby. hot honey. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, I actually think we've sold or traded with almost every like restaurant in town for furniture, for for uh, food. You know, <laughs> I think I sold I sold uh, Nettie's house of spaghetti in Ocean. Um, they're a huge customer of ours, and I tried, I sold them a bunch of stuff that's in the that's in their restaurant, and I, I have like over a thousand dollars in gift cards for for Nettie's house of spaghetti. And I'm like, all right, every Sunday we'll take a trip. That's amazing. So you yeah. let that be heard. Cause listen, there's a lot of Jersey, you know, this is a Jersey centric podcast. There's Jersey people who I think will appreciate you're down for a barter. You're down for a hustle. If there's somebody sure. out there, if you're out there listening right now and you have something, I, I, I'll, I'll say, I'm not going to, obligate drew to um go along with whatever you're trying to trade but it sounds like you're not someone who's just going to roll your eyes at the idea either yeah and specifically right now um anything that can help us in the new building like electricians and <laughs> like a gutter guy uh somebody who knows how to repair a roof uh, yeah, you will trade furniture for services right now is what yes. i'm hearing Yes. So if you're somebody who, let's say, maybe you're like a contractor and you're trying to, you know, surprise your family, you know, surprise your wife, surprise your husband with a new bedroom set, you're holding together, you know, pooling those funds. Maybe we can uh, expedite the process. You come down, you do some electrical work on the new building, you get your new bedroom set. Right. That is a very Jersey mentality. <laughs> and I love yeah. it. Yeah. That's... Just got to do some good work, though. Come on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I don't want to uh, keep you all day. I know there's furniture to be retouched. There's deals to be found. There's uh, there's garages full of stuff to to be raided. Um, I do just want to say, I hope for anybody listening to it, this we all uh, we all. Everybody moves from time to time. So if you got stuff you're getting rid of, maybe you go, you talk to Drew and Danielle, you show them some pictures, see if it's anything worth their while. More importantly, too, if you're looking to outfit your house, your apartment, you're looking to upgrade, I will just say there are all those online places that'll send some guys to your house and they'll come and they'll set up some modular couch for you. Those things are great. But maybe before you do that, you take a little trip to Asbury Park, you get some pizza at Toulouse, you get some ice cream at the Creamery, you swing by Flux Modern and you have a conversation with some other human beings here. Because here's the thing I'll say, and, and Drew, you and I are just meeting today, but here's one thing I just know in my heart to be true is that you're not looking to rip anybody off. If there's a better option, go do it. But you're somebody who might be able to go, if you're thinking about that couch, you might think about this couch and it's $200 more, but I guarantee it'll last five years longer, 10 years longer. Absolutely. Those are conversations that you can have face to face with a human being. Why not do it, New Jersey? Why not step up? <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually, you know, I tell people like, 
no, I don't think that'll look good in your place. Even though, you know, I'm trying to sell something. I'm going to be honest with you if, if I don't think it'll look good in, in the space or, you know, so people can bring people will bring pictures of the empty space or bring pictures and say I'm yeah. looking to replace this couch. Do you think that couch and you'll go Yeah. No. Nah. How how close has has there ever been a point where somebody's been like, I'm buying this, this is gonna look so great and it's a done deal and you've gone, I just can't <laughs> I ha- I'm I'm gonna talk you out of the deal. Have you ever gone that far? It's happened before. Actually it just <laughs> happened in this in this virtual sale. Uh I somebody who is a huge supporter of us um actually bird and betty's down in lbi um it's a restaurant uh, the owners there uh mel and eric um they have bought a ton of stuff from us and like you know i find them a skee-ball uh machine and like a jukebox and stuff and then like this the a giant sofa for their um break room and th- they just buy things you know they they see it they like it and they say, will it, you know, does it go with our stuff? And I say, yeah. Or you know what? No. Uh, unfortunately that like $1,200 uh, shelving unit, I don't think it goes with the rest of the stuff I've sold you. So, <laughs> you know, they're spending a ton of money, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to put something in your place that I don't think is going to work with the, with the other stuff. So you know, I'll sell it. it to somebody else and it'll fit with their stuff perfectly and I'll find something else for you. I love that trust, that trust that you're fostering. Here's another question then. Have you ever, because that's the other thing you don't get when you shop online or you shop at a corporate place is you don't get somebody like you, you might have something in and go, I wonder if that person's still looking for a dresser because this would be rad. That other one I had, I talked about it. Has, have you ever weirded someone out by calling them like nine months after you last spoke to be like, hey, if you don't have a dresser, I just found the dresser for your house? It does happen, but that's getting harder and harder to do to like remember. Because <laughs> right, we right. we're getting bigger than I ever thought we would get. And, uh, you know, we, we keep expanding our business. So it's harder and harder to keep track of everything that people are looking for. So unfortunately, I can't like keep a list of things that people are looking for but you know if you're a good customer if you're a repeat customer and i know something that you're looking for like i'm definitely gonna send it your way first before i post it online and have have it available to everybody i love it and i have to imagine i'm aware that this exists in new jersey there's like a whole group of design nerds who must drop by and be like, Oh, have you ever seen this stool from this designer with this variation that like, th- there's a whole world that a layman like me just doesn't even know about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, <laughs> uh, it gets pretty pretentious in that world. And I kind of stay on the border of that. Um, I'm definitely not going to be shaming anybody for, you know, d- design different designers that they're using like you know people are very <laughs> it's the same thing with punk rock you know yeah oh you like the purists uh, and the gatekeepers and yeah so like you do you if it feels good do it um i'm not gonna get on anybody about that kind of thing the one thing that's tough in this world though in the design world is if you misattribute something accidentally um 
it's not even like to as a to use a certain designer as a selling point, but just rather more like informational. Um, the nice people who have knowledge will send you a message secretly and say, "Hey, you know, you, you called that a Milo Boffman." but it's really not by Milo Boffman. It's by Design Institute America. The jerks will post it right on your <laughs> comments, right on the picture and say, hey, that's not a Milo Boffman, you idiot. <laughs> you know, so dealing with the trolls, uh, we haven't had too much of that because I, I tend to you to, to not put any information if I'm, if I'm uh, hesitant about something, but you know, it's a difficult uh, thing when you have to deal with that. I just, I think you'll be happy to hear. I'm uncultured enough to know that I've never heard of Milo Boffman. Yeah. It sounds like someone who's a big deal, whose work is significant. I'm glad that you come across it from time to time, but I will never be mad at you for misattributing a Milo Boffman because <laughs> I don't know what that is. So you're good. You're, you're in safe hands here. And you're the kind of person I want to sell to. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet all the other people have their eye on you. Here's a, a last, I think, last question and a valid question. You said this is going better than you ever thought it would. It's growing. You bought a building. You've got customers in the restaurant world, in the set designer world, let alone the people building out their apartments and homes world. It's good. You also bring up these issues where, you know, people have to trust your word and people have to trust your taste and people have to trust the stuff you have coming through. But it's not like you have limitless inventory. You guys are building out this new building. You're running the existing building business and you have to keep going out and finding stuff. How do you expand, build a reputation where people go, oh, these guys have rad shit when you're inherently always selling off the rad shit and there's no guarantee you're going to find more at any given point. That's stressful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and especially during the pandemic, um, it was really hard to find new inventory. Um, but, and because like actually during the pandemic, a lot of businesses were struggling, but surprisingly our business was thriving because a lot of people were spending so much time at home redoing their their places and like setting up home offices. We sold so many desks. <laughs> like I, I couldn't right. keep a desk in stock. It was crazy. I was making desks out of spare parts from different pieces that we had to take <laughs> apart because they're so in such bad shape. But I was taking all the good parts from like pieces that I've taken apart and making new desks for people. And uh, that's kind of that, you know, that, that punk rock, just, just do it yourself, put it together kind of thing. And it was, you know, I was just charging them what it would cost me for the labor basically just to keep things going. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely, but it, we sold so much stuff that we were like, okay, where are we going to get all like more stuff? But like we've built up enough that that's like the kind of the weird thing about the bigger we get, the larger our reach for buying things gets. Um, we've kind of like people 
will find us and send us things literally like every day I'm getting emails and texts and calls of people selling things. 95% of it is stuff we're not interested in. Uh, it's not our style, but you know, I'll send, I'll pass, pass them along to somebody I'm, who might be interested in, or I'll, or I'll offer them a fair price and figure out how much it's going to cost me to get up there and get it and clean it up and resell it. And we've been, you know, it, it's been, uh, you know, tough to do over the years, but we keep expanding, keep finding new ways to buy things. And that's uh, the way it goes. You just figure it out. I love it. Well, much love to you and Danielle and to Flux Modern. I'm glad that we keep expanding people's worldview of what punk rockers in New Jersey are accomplishing. I, I feel like if you broke down small businesses with punk rock roots, Jersey has to have the highest percentage of people who came up going to basement shows in New Brunswick that later started their own businesses. Like that's that type <laughs> of show. Um, yeah. we've all, you could eat every meal out cooked by a former punk rocker in New Jersey. Now, you know, you can get your home furnished by former punk rockers in New Jersey. I hope everybody, when you uh, come see us at house of independence for some of our live shows, or when you're going down to the pony or to the boardwalk or whatever, just stop by flux modern, say hello, see if anything jumps out at you see what the deals are that day because it's a very cool thing you guys have built and i thank you for taking the time and talking to me thanks chris i i'm a huge fan of yours and everything you're doing and new jersey is the world i can't i mean just the amount of stuff you've seen you probably know the people who like sell at the english town auction and get to see their stuff before they put it out there like you know some of the true weirdos in this state don't you I know you can't call them weirdos. They, no, they're weirdos. <laughs> they're weirdos. I deal with everybody. The you know the 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 high class New Yorkers down to the to the guys who uh, have flip flops made out of duct tape. You know. Yeah, I love it. I love so, it. it. It's it's fun. Flux Modern, everybody, check them out. Follow them on Instagram. It's pleasing it will be pleasing to your algorithm and to your eye and your soul thanks so much true for taking the time thanks chris thank you for listening to this presentation of new jersey is the world new jersey is the world is chris gethard nikki bonaduce don finelli andrea quinn carson cop and mike d new jersey is the world is produced and edited by carson cop mike d and andrea quinn you can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World.
where New Jersey is the world.